Hi guys, I'm Chris. I'm Ellie. We're Little Sprouts Forest School and this is... Our Fireside Chat. So let's start with talking about what's inspiring us this week. Chris, what's inspired you this week? So my inspiration sort of shout out this week goes to somebody called Jay Shetty. Ellie, you obviously know of him. I always bang on about him. He's got a great podcast and he's released a book called Think Like a Monk. So this guy used to be a monk and now his whole thing is like slogan is making uh, wisdom go viral. So yeah, he's just great. I listen to him every week. He's got a lot of mindfulness sort of tips and practices. So yeah, that's who my sort of inspiration shout out is this week. Cool. Yeah, he's a strange combination, isn't he, of like ancient philosophy and modern world. Science. Like he brings those things together really well. Yeah. Okay. My inspiration this week is my inspiration every week for the last year. And if you know me, you've already heard me bang on about this loads, but it's Brian Morrison at The Breathing Project. So Brian's a breathing practitioner and he teaches a sort of form of breathing meditation he trained with Wim Hof. If you don't know who Wim Hof is, go and look him up. Because the, the technique that Wim Hof teaches has scientific backing about sort of biological and neurological benefits to this particular breathing technique. What Brian does at the Breathing Project is inspired by that and by other breathing practices. He does an online session every Saturday morning for an hour and it's a breathing meditation. He talks you through how to breathe this particular technique at the very least it's just a really relaxing start to the weekend but it is actually so much more than that and it's really helped both mine and my husband's mental health throughout the lockdown because we've been doing it for a whole year now in fact it's a year anniversary on sunday he's doing a special it's just a really amazing technique and it's really beneficial for reducing stress but also for if you want to going a bit deeper and kind of getting to know yourself a bit better and mind-body connection. I think everybody, we, there's always an opportunity at the end of a session to talk about the session and people just get so many different things from it, but everybody gets something beneficial from it. So I can't recommend Brian enough. If you are interested in checking him out, his first session is free as well. He gives you a code to do first session free. He is at Breathing Project on Instagram and Facebook. So check him out. Nice <laughs> Maybe one. one day, Chris, we'll get him on the podcast to talk about breathing and children because that'd be cool i know yeah. he's got some some views on that as well oh hey, really that'd be interesting yeah it would, wouldn't it cool okay then should we get into this week's topic then i keep yeah, saying so this, this week, week like we're doing it weekly but we're a bit sporadic yeah. aren't we <laughs> so, this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this episode we're going to be talking about what children can teach us should i give it a bit of context why we've chosen this topic yeah absolutely so a big part of forest school is being is to do with reflection and part of that is us helping the children to reflect on the experiences they've had but also it's really important to be reflective as a practitioner and the more we reflect on our forest school practice the more I have realized how much we actually learn from them and and also my experience as a as a school teacher and as a parent I feel like now that I've opened myself to the lessons that I can learn from children I can't stop noticing things <laughs> so I thought mm. it would be an interesting one for us to explore on here and to have a chat to you about yeah I had that same sort of journey when I did my forest school qualification about how each behavior that a child or that anybody in action is like can be a reflection of their thoughts and what's going on and sometimes as a teacher uh 
you're only dealing with the behaviors and the actions but as a forest school practitioner it's taught me to sort of press that pause button and reflect why that is and perhaps what the thought behind that is or the meaning for example a child banging a stick repetitively over and over you know you might at first want to go over and stop it but actually if you pause and reflect on that's sort of the symptom or that's the outcome but what's the the root cause of it if that makes sense yeah it's going beyond your initial reaction to to anybody not just to children yeah that initial reaction often is the impact of their behavior on you how it's making you feel so in the example you give potentially that might irritate someone i actually really enjoy that <laughs> those kind of like little repetitive noises that kids make not so much in the classroom but um but yeah mm-hmm. so initially it might be your emotional response to their behavior might mean but mm. certainly when we step back and just take a moment to explore what's really going on there or where that's coming from then you've uh, put that really eloquently yeah and they say sometimes that the kids who need the most love show it in the most unloving ways. <laughs> oh, it's so true. It is, it is. I'm diverting from what oh, we were saying anyway, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Classic. We're good at going off on a tangent, aren't we? <laughs> another thing that's inspired me to talk about this right now as well is that we've recently just obviously had another lockdown here. And as school teachers, we had fewer children in school, didn't we? And it really made me realise how much easier it is to get to know them and to learn from them as well as teach them when you've got a small group and that's forest school is that isn't it It it's about Mm. smaller groups yeah so it led me to lots of different thoughts about school but perhaps they're not for this topic perhaps that's for another time no more tangents so when you first suggested this sort of theme i think about what we could learn from children and sometimes it's negative connotations where people say oh don't be childish or you know oh you're such a child but actually (laughs) I think there is a difference between childish and being childlike uh, and that we need to see that as a positive if someone's childlike at times and they have a playful sort of nature. You know, that's something we would look for in a, in a partner or a friend or a work colleague is someone that it can be childlike at times and can be playful at times. And sometimes uh, as adults, we sort of, we don't give enough time or emphasis or importance to that to that quality yeah that's I think playfulness is such a big important thing being playful and you're absolutely right we are drawn to people that are playful because it's fun that's where the the joy is isn't it sometimes as adults we don't consciously set out to be playful enough and actually I think we'd probably all be all the better for it if we were a bit more playful a bit more childlike (laughs) yeah I think another thing that stems from that sort of playfulness is spontaneity and I should have no uh or it seems a lot of the time they don't have any inhibitions or self-awareness. They'll just spontaneously do what feels right at that time and they'll do something or jump or skip. Uh, and as adults, we, you know, that can be quite freeing, but we do lose that sometimes, don't we? Absolutely. I had spontaneity on my list as well of things to talk about. For me, it's about, it's because they're in the moment, aren't they, children? Whereas as adults, we're preoccupied. We've got several timelines going on, our, on in our heads. We're often thinking about, something that happened that we could have done better or what we've got to do next um, all the things on our to-do lists we are existing in too many timelines in our heads whereas children don't really have that as much and, and I think in, in all of this that we're talking about we are being very general because obviously child covers a huge age range doesn't it and and children change and develop and all people are different and, and individual as well so it does kind of give you that caveat but 
but yeah, I think that generally children are more in the moment. And then as we grow up, we lose that. And I think we were, we were talking earlier about, about how, how do we lose that and why? And I think it would be really interesting to do some kind of research into that. Why? At what point do we lose some of those qualities that actually could serve us better if we hung on to them a bit? Mm. I think after spontaneity, we're going to talk about uh, it sort of links spontaneity of movement and how children yeah. end up having inhibitions with that. I think you were going to say a few things about movement, weren't you? Absolutely, yeah. I think we can learn from children physically. If you do, anyone who's done a manual handling training course for work will probably recognise that they show you a picture of a child squatting down because the way that children bend to lift things is the healthiest way to do it. And we lose that, and I don't know why. But just watching the way that children manage themselves, handle themselves, and certainly in a forest school setting where we haven't got kind of chairs and tables, it is a natural environment, we really see it a lot that they move safely and, and healthily in, instinctively because they're obviously not thinking oh I need to bend my knees now to get this they just do it don't they yeah so I think we definitely can learn from them just by observing them physically and I don't know if you've ever tried just emulating the way that a child moves but part of my yoga training my yoga teacher talked to me about putting yourself in someone else's body and like emulating their movement to try and figure out what's going on with them but I took it and applied it sometimes when <clears throat> if we go for a walk as a family Dexter's right ahead of us and he's not just he never just walks he's skipping he's jumping he's hopping he's bouncing off things um spinning around and <laughs> sometimes I just try and copy him and see how it feels and it's so freeing and liberating but then if a car goes past to get that real self-awareness kicks in mm. and kids just don't have that or certainly younger children just don't have that they it doesn't occur to them to worry what someone else is thinking about them does it and so they have a freedom about them that's just really joyful mm. did that link to the drunk toddler i can't remember that's, yeah, yeah so me and my husband often say that if you watch a toddler it's like and imagine that they're a tiny drunk person um it makes it, it makes it more hilarious which is true <laughs> but then i've thought about that and why that is and i think it's because it's to do with that lack of inhibition that when you're a bit drunk, you don't have mm. or a lot drunk. <laughs> you lose some inhibition and kids just don't have as many inhibitions as adults in the first place. And that's why they're so funny and fun. Yeah. Do you know what that just made me think of, which is totally not linked. It's quite funny. I, I don't know if you have this. I definitely have this one. I'm, say, for example, something random like uh, you've ever been bowling and you, you bowl your ball and that walk from there the walk back to the seat and you feel everybody's watching you you don't know how to walk or like in certain situations you don't know where to put your hands in your pockets and you're like you get really uncomfortable in your head about it do you, do you know what I mean you're I a hundred percent especially when you've gone on like a team building thing or something it's not even like just you and your mates it's yeah yeah if you go on a work action <laughs> or something yeah oh it's so cringe I I sometimes do it with my hands over my face because I'm so terrible at bowling <laughs> <laughs> You have the bumpers up. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and the and the uh, ramp as well. <laughs> yeah. It still bounces over into someone else's aisle. <laughs> not a natural bowler, Chris. <laughs> yeah, natural speller, but... <laughs> yeah, but not a natural bowler. <laughs> so, yeah, we've talked about physically. I also wanted to talk about what we can learn from children to do with our emotions. Mm. So, I love the way that kids just don't, shy away from well so I say I love it 
where as a parent sometimes it's frustrating as hell but the way that they don't shy away from a conflict if something's upset them something's got to them they just deal with it don't they mm. i know when dexter was littler and he was learning that kind of idea of sharing and having to share your toys all the time i remember reading different points of view about that because as adults we just don't really have to share that often you know and if you were if you were sort of i don't know doing something on your ipad and someone came up and said give me a turn on that and you had to give it to them straight away that would be Mm. so uncomfortable wouldn't it and yet we do it to children all the time but they sort of digress there but yeah just the way that they are so sincere in their interactions and sometimes that can be really challenging thing about kids going back to what you said at the start as well that if they're not feeling great sometimes the way that they express that might be quite difficult to handle for us but they wear their hearts on their sleeves don't they and i feel like that's a a good thing that perhaps we can yeah that yeah i like that 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 sort of links to what uh we were speaking about earlier before podcast is how um we ask children to do things that are new to them as if it's not big deal and we ask them to do things that are out of their comfort zone Mm. and if i compare myself to a child for example I've not done anything new or out of my comfort zone as an adult for a while. And if I do have to do, you know, sometimes it can be a chore or a big deal or nerve-wracking. And actually, we must remember, sometimes as children, they're doing new things for the first time in their life. You know, they're doing that every week. And that we mustn't forget, you know, how, how well they cope with that. How a lot of the time, willingly, they'll push themselves out of their comfort zone. Whereas for adults, we forget that we don't do it so willingly. Absolutely. Sense. Sometimes it's actually really uncomfortable, isn't it? If you're on a course or something and you or you're in a new group and you ask to do mm. like icebreakers or where you've got to talk to somebody you don't normally talk to. It can be so uncomfortable. Yet yeah, we do as educators we yeah, and actually, all the yeah. time. I must have had to have done an icebreaker, you know, twenty times now in my life. And you could and as it's coming around the circle, you're planning what to say. And we've got all those memories and cues of public speaking. And we, even that, we've got more experience and sort of memories of doing it than children. So they're, they're drawing on nothing. They're drawing on no experience. Whereas if I was to do an icebreaker today, I'd still be like, even yeah. though I've done it like 20 times. Yeah. Two things that that made me think of. One is talking about discomfort. There's someone I started following recently on Instagram called, I think he's called David Love. He's a rapper. He does all kinds of kind of cool stuff to do with well-being and states of being. But I came across him on a mindfulness course that I did online. He was talking about mindful rapping with kids and flow state, which was really interesting. He talks a lot on his Instagram account about the discomfort zone, being in your discomfort zone. And that's something I've become more aware of because... I feel like we're at the moment with our kind of the direction we're taking the business in Mm -hmm. doing a podcast and the website that just doesn't come naturally to me to put myself out there like that like I do feel quite uncomfortable with it because I'm quite an introvert really I think I'm an extroverted introvert and I'm quite Mm -hmm. private if I don't with people I don't know so I think that yeah I'm quite aware of that feeling of discomfort at the moment and and the benefit to facing the fear and doing it anyway I think you had a good quote about it didn't you a ship is always safe at shore, but that's not what it's built for. And that's a nice analogy for like how children will more willingly on the whole, they'll set sail for new horizons. Whereas adults, we have more inhibitions sometimes. And it's, we could take a lot, learn a lot from children about how 
that sort of that bravery really and that courage um, yeah. to try new things. Oh, I think that brings us really nicely as well to something else we were talking about before we started recording that is just how inspirational kids have been throughout this current situation, mm. whole lockdowns and pandemic, because actually they've had so much upheaval for some for a virus that actually doesn't really directly affect them as much and yet we've they've been expected to make so much to to change so much and they've just been amazing haven't they all the children in my life like that I know I've just been blown, mm. completely blown away by we should have had that as our inspiration shouldn't we this week? do you know <laughs> yeah I was going to add to that about there was a lot of emphasis on parents having to homeschool and how tough that is and listen, do not get me wrong. Absolute pat my hat off to every parent because that is amazing. Also, on the flip side, as a person who's got a mother as a teacher, I remember being taught by my mother and being taught by your parents is no walk in the park either. I know <laughs> a lot of the emphasis was on parents having to homeschool kids, but let's give a shout out to the kids who have to get homeschooled by their parents. You know, that couldn't have been easy either. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's been a huge challenge for kids, and but they've just, just got on with it, haven't they? And just adapted. And yeah. that's, I think, the thing that if you could bottle a bit of kids, the resilient mm. children show like i'd have a swig of that every morning yeah. <laughs> for sure yeah absolutely yeah well done kids. we talked <laughs> yeah i've only got two more things we talk about curiosity okay seamless link <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the next thing that we were going to talk uh, plan to talk about is uh, curiosity and how children can ask questions and want to know answers from things in this in the smallest of things and how they'll take it to the the, the 10th degree the ninth which degree is it and <laughs> neither thanks the nth degree <laughs> i've lost it i've lost it <laughs> throw me a lifeline <laughs> if i was yeah. curious i would have worked that out <laughs> <laughs> even just on a really basic level if you think about like you know, parents joke about when you give a kid a present and you put loads of thought into the present and then they just want to play with the paper. Mm. It like that even just that level of curiosity that they're so interested in everything that that they'll really get ring every bit of whatever there is to be had in in the mm. moment with their curiosity. I think we were talk you talked about something to do with jobs, like Ah, yeah. So that I I was I can't remember where I heard it. it. must have been a podcast or some course I was on. And they were talking about how the children we're teaching today, you know, you're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds, we're teaching them and we're trying to get them ready for a society or a future where the jobs perhaps haven't even been in- invented yet. The jobs mm-hmm. don't exist yet because of the advancements in technology and how really these children are growing up in a different age to where we grew up in the sense that they're now growing up in what we'd call the information age, where the internet and a whole wealth of information and data is readily accessible to them so now the emphasis for them to remember things and have to hold on to information isn't as strong because you know why would you memorize things that you can just easily look up mm-hmm. so now the emphasis for them is to be it's all it's not necessarily the quality of their answers because they can look up data and different things it's more the quality of their questions yeah. i think that's where the biggest the biggest advancements we've seen or will see will be from people who are asking those new uh, interesting questions so how how does that impact us as forest school practitioners is we want to be 
cultivating and facilitating children who are good at questions and who are curious. Absolutely. And creativity comes into that a huge part of that as well, doesn't it? How many, how much do you want to go back to school now? And all those times that the teacher said, well, when you're walking around the supermarket, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket all the time. I'm like, absolutely have. <laughs> I've got in the fact, whole. I could just order it online and not even worry about <sighs> it. <laughs> it's just insane. You've got, in theory, the whole world. Since, you know what I mean? All that information in your pocket is just crazy, crazy power. And yet the curriculum in the UK at the moment is so knowledge focused. I find that really strange, mm-hmm. but I think it's based on the model of, well, grammar schools, isn't it? And yeah, anyway, must not keep slagging off the government <laughs> in your podcast. Banging that drum. <laughs> yeah, sorry if you're listening, Gav, but <laughs> yeah, curiosity. Have we, have we milked that as much as we can? Okay. So I've then. only got one more thing. What Go have you then. got? You got Go more to say? I just made a note here about how. Again, this is on the whole, because like you said, each child is different and unique. But on the whole, children are their hero in their own stories. And they're, they're often confident to say, yeah, I'm, I'm really good at that. Yeah, I'm great at that. Whereas sometimes as adults, we, there's a fine line between sort of modesty and self-deprecation where I feel children have, again, it's the whole inhibition thing that they're happy to say, I was good at that, I'm great at this. And just... Um, unadulterated confidence without you yeah, know any... absolutely and not not always well placed either but it doesn't matter <laughs> does it because actually yeah. at some point if you keep believing in yourself like you can yeah. i think you can you do manifest that that, that fake it, make it thing that we were talking about earlier yeah recently a child i think i asked them what if they knew what they wanted to be when they grew up that kind of question <laughs> cliched question and one boy said, oh, I want to be really filthy, stinking rich. <laughs> Love it. Me too. Me too, mate. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I could feel my TA kind of like looking at, oh, what's she going to say about this? And because kind of part of you wants to go, well, that, you know, how are you going to do that? Is, that? is that realistic? But actually, I was like, no, do you know what? Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> if he'd said yeah. he wanted to be Batman, well which they sometimes do. Yeah, and, you know, but I was just looking at this kid and I just thought, oh, I really hope you don't lose that. Yeah, you know? why not? Who, who am I to say? Who am I to, like, try and quash and question his, their sort of ambition? Yeah. It's one of those, isn't it? Yeah, like, why not? Go for it. I so now, keep that sort of... When they talk about wanting to be Spider-Man or Batman or whatever other kind of things they talk about I do actually talk to them about well what you know what's <laughs> what skills are you gonna need to hone for that because I just think being a bit more open to Ooh. going along with their creativity and their imagination isn't isn't a bad thing oh yeah I read a great tweet and it was someone tweeting about, uh, I think it was their niece she said she wants to be an astronaut so the auntie said oh well, you need to be able to fly you need to be good at maths you need to be able to working teams and the child was like that's only three things that's easy <laughs> oh i love it i love it i love it i love it oh another good quote from a kid um i can't remember where it was somewhere it's off of the internet uh, you might have seen it a child who the mum had bought us some leggings and they were too small and the kid said my legs are too powerful for these leggings and i just love that so much because do you know like definitely there i'd be thinking oh need to lose a few pounds but no she was just like no my legs are too powerful for your clothing right? mm-hmm. 
<laughs> love it, love it. Absolutely. There was one more thing to talk that I wanted to talk about, and that was about babies specifically, because Chris, you're going to have a baby soon. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so when something I've learned a lot from being a parent, as you do, and I think that one thing that I really stood out to me is how much it helped me to understand my parents better being a parent myself um where I don't think even though obviously I was an adult and I had a baby so I knew that they were adults but I don't I think I didn't really fully truly see them as complete rounded people until I was a parent myself and then a penny dropped about lots of things from childhood Mm. (laughs) interesting yeah yeah so yeah what have from having uh your baby i say babies (laughs) sort of growing up now any quick quicker (laughs) i know um what did you learn what things did you learn from him then you learn patience (laughs) (laughs) doesn't mean you've always got it you learn patience i well i certainly did i think the biggest takeaway for me from being a parent the biggest thing that's probably helped me in all the areas of my life is learning to just take a breath sometimes not to just react emotionally straight away but to just stop step back and then explore what's what's going on beneath wow. the surface of it. but that, i mean that's so transferable isn't it? you could you could do that when, talk, when talking to adults <laughs> well i, I do i think yeah. it has really yeah. yeah i think it has made me a more balanced mm. because i'm not i am not saying that I, that that is always the case and that i've never reacted <laughs> on you know I mean, it's a 24-7 job, isn't it? <laughs> so obviously you kid, the, your kids get the best and the worst of you. But on the whole, like, I, you know what kind of parent you want to be. And I think that you just hope that, but at least having that in mind some of the time that it does come across. And I think that what I really am conscious that I wanted to be an empathetic parent, that, that I wanted to feel respected. And so mm. I, I do think being a parent has made me more empathetic, more. I was quite empathetic already. Like, I did cry at nappy adverts, but just knowing, yeah, just that urge to understand where someone else is coming from, which can be really difficult with children. Because I think you said it earlier that the behaviour manifests itself sometimes in a way that's not identifiable to how we as adults re- react to things. But there is always... A reason why kids do the things they do and I think remembering that and and transferring it to adults actually has been a really valuable lesson for me as a parent and a human love it that sounds like a nice uh, nice ending point yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening today we'd love to hear anything you have to say about the topics we've discussed you can find us at little sprouts forest school on facebook twitter or instagram or email us on littlespriteforestschool at gmail.com. See you next time.